Recording in progress. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to What's, you. What was that? What was that tune you were? That's your tune, <laughs> the one that Is... you edit and onto our uh, our podcast. Oh, oh, the actual theme, the theme music. Yeah. Good Christmas and New Year. It was a good Christmas. It felt quite a tiring Christmas. There was a lot of traveling around and then over New Year got COVID, which mm. I didn't have like loads of plans to be fair, but that was obviously slightly frustrating. I've never had COVID before, at least not knowingly had COVID. So it was a bit of a surprise, knocked me out for quite quite a few days. And it's yeah, still lingering with a bit of a chesty cough, but mm. I'm not the only one because you're... I have a bit chesty cough, yeah. yeah. I haven't knownly had COVID either, actually. That's interesting that you have said that. I thought everybody had COVID apart from me. <laughs> so, right. And you can I hear I'm a bit we I'm a little bit wheezy as well. So so you have to apologise for my husky voice today. Yeah, don't worry. We'll edit, <laughs> we'll edit all these coughs and splutters <laughs> coughs out. Coughs and splutters out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, nice little break. But, you know, you, you, it's a nice time to watch other films that you wouldn't normally watch and a chance to, to watch. I actually binged watched a lot of TV, but I'll, what did you watch first? Well, in terms of movies, the two main films that I saw were Saltburn and Poor Things. Saltburn, the Emerald Fennel film with Barry Keehan, which is this deliciously twisted tale, I would say, of desire obsession that puts under the spotlight themes of wealth, privilege, sex, lies, taboo. It's this psychological thriller dark comedy that very much draws you in at the beginning as this character called Oliver arrives at university on a scholarship and becomes quite obsessed with one of the other students and this other student takes pity on him because he's from the other side of the fence as it were everybody around him's posh you see and he's quite curious about it all and as I say he he seems to be completely obsessed as one individual befriends him and his group and he gets invited back to this guy's family mansion which is called Saltburn for a summer and everything goes a bit pear-shaped. I really really liked Promising Young Woman which Emerald Fennell wrote and directed as a debut feature which we reviewed on the podcast so I was really looking forward to this. It certainly takes you to places that you perhaps don't expect and it's well known for having two or three scenes in this that that make you kind of wince and squirm. Um, I heard that. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I so, heard Margot Robbie was a producer. That's right. That's right. Well. And it's got a great cast here. Rosamund Pike, Kerry Mulligan, and Kerry Mulligan, of course, who was in Promising Woman, Richard E. Grant's mm. in it as these eccentric aristocrats who are all part of the family. I really liked it. The ending is something to behold, without a doubt. You would never listen to Sophie Ellis Bexter's Murder on the Dance Floor in the same way ever again, (laughs) which is another funny thing about the film. There's lots of comedy in it. There's lots of absurdity in it. There's lots of drama. There's lots of thrills. And it takes a left turn halfway through and starts to get darker and darker and weirder and weirder. So, yeah, it depends what you like. I didn't think it was a film that you may warm to. (laughs) No, well, I was going to play it and then I thought, 
I'd rather watch something else. <laughs> so I met, well, I will come to it at some point, but I've got to be in the right mood. I think you definitely need to be in the right mood. The other film, Poor Things, which I actually watched at the cinema, which is a film by Yorgos Lanthimos. Again, a very, very unique director who has his own very unique style. You probably heard of The Favourite. I know you weren't a big fan of The Favourite, but The Favourite, Killing of a Sacred Deer... Very much abstract movies is what he's known for. This is kind of like a modern day Frankenstein tale. Fantasy adventure with this like wickedly absurd sense of humour. And it's the story of a young woman called Bella Baxter, who's brought back to life by a scientist played by Willem Dafoe. But the catch is, before being brought back to life, her brain is replaced with a child's brain, and she's kind of reanimated. So it's like a child in the body of an adult. And so we basically see her almost as this childlike figure that slowly develops. She's very attractive, but she's also has no filter because she's she has no you know she's a child yeah and she kind of get whisked away by this lothario lawyer played by mark ruffalo and they embark on this crazy wild adventure all around europe and although i was expecting it to be really wildly out there in actual fact once you buy into the premise it's a lot of fun it's a weird world It's set in kind of almost like, I suppose, Victorian era, but there's fantastical futuristic elements you see in some of the European cities in which it's set, which is quite strange. We see Bella eventually grow into an actual woman and this cad character played by Mark Ruffalo just can't cope with her. It's kind of about their relationship as they travel around uh, Europe. It is like nothing else you've seen before. Emma Stone is amazing in it, well worthy of her Golden Globe win. So that's the other film I've seen. Mm. And then in terms of TV, I think you've seen it as well. Lots of people have seen it for me once. I watched that. Yes, with uh, uh, Michelle Keegan and that's uh, Dame. Right. I think, yeah, I think she's a Dame. Joanna Lumley as well. That's right. So I yeah. watched that. And then, well, and this is partly because of yeah. my daughter, but we've become quite addicted to Traitors, which is that oh. kind of murder <laughs> oh, mystery reality it's show. It's, it's back. back. Yeah. And that's probably about it for me. Well, to add on to that, I binge watched uh, Reacher with Alan Richardson. I really do think he should be He-Man. He looks like He-Man, but a slightly tiny bit older version of He-Man. And then Slow Horses with Gary Oldman, Jack Loudon and Christian Scott Thomas. It's excellent. This is the third series, I think. They're all really, really good. That's on Apple TV Plus. So uh, so ones to watch there. And Reacher is on Amazon Prime, I believe. And Fool Me Once is on Netflix, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. And I guess there'll still be people coming to still, that probably yeah. quite late because it's it got such amazing word of mouth. I mean, the the only reason I watched it was because there were so many people talking about it. I just had FOMO. Mm. I thought, well, I've got to watch this. Apparently, it's been number one globally on Netflix, which is unusual. I think it's because of the author is an American author and they converted it into a British TV series. So it's a slight different slant there, apparently. OK, so... I've put a quiz together. It's the Bradley Cooper blankety blank oh, quiz. Oh, no. Blankety blank. Oh, yes. Okay. These are all blankety film blank. titles <laughs> starring Mr. Bradley Cooper. Okay. All, all you have to do, Sarah, mm. is fill in the blank. Oh, gosh. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. 
2014 movie, American Blank. American? Psycho? <laughs> I don't know. American Sniper. A uh, Sniper, of course, yes. Okay. Yeah, not doing so well. Go number, on. <laughs> number two, from 2012, Blank Blank Playbook. Oh, oh I don't know that one. <laughs> oh. She knows remember. it. She knows it. Oh, oh. Uh, I want to say Sky something. No, sorry. Out of the mind. No, go on. Silver lining. Silver. Yes. Silver lining. Okay. Nil point. <laughs> blank, blank, part two. Blank, blank, part two? Yeah, yeah. You're kidding me. No. Blank, blank, part two. What was he in? Uh... Oh, oh, Hangover. Yes. Yes, I got one. Of all films, I get that one. (laughs) Okay, question number four. Blank Hustle from 2013. American Hustle. Yes. Okay. Final question from 2021. Nightmare Blank. Nightmare Blank? Yeah. Nightmare. I don't know. Nightmare Alley. Oh, not right. I know. Okay. Do you remember it was that film that I was, I was curious about watching, but it just kind of. Is he really in that Nightmare yeah, he, Alley? Yeah, he he starred in it with Kate Blanchett and can't remember who else was in it. But yeah, he was one uh, of the main stars. I'm surprised you didn't go A blank. Oh yes. Now listen, the reason a star is born is not in there because I just thought it's no, just... not that one, not oh, that one, another one. A bl- hyphen blank. Oh, the A team. I was trying to figure out how to do that one because it was hyphenated. Because <laughs> if it was a, a star is born, it would be A blank, blank, blank. If I'd done a star is born, however, <laughs> wherever I put the blanks, you would have got it. I just thought it was two. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't <clears> very good at that. How many did I get right? Two. Two out of you got five. Two is out of five. What do you think of the blankety blank? I quite like the blankety blank. It's It makes it slightly easier, but I obviously don't know. My Bradley Cooper as well. I knew you said Bradley Walsh there. Bradley Cooper <laughs> as well. Bradley Walsh. Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah, good old Bradley Walsh. Uh, I watched Gladiators, actually. There's another one. Oh, with his, added with his son. TV I, thought, listings. I thought it was awful. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, should we go on to the Brad, the Bradley? I think we should go to the Cooper Bradley film. film. Yeah. So we're reviewing Maestro this week as the newbie and about time as the oldie. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's kick off with Maestro. So this is directed by Bradley Cooper. Screenplay by Josh Singer, produced by Martin Scorsese and Steven Spielberg, amongst Mm -hmm. others. The film also stars Kerry Mulligan. So this is the biopic of the legendary American composer and conductor Leonard Bernstein. Although we do follow elements of his career as a conductor, really the the story focuses on his relationship with actress Felicia Montalegre, played by Kerry Mulligan, which is really quite a kind of com- complex marriage, it turns out to be. So the film opens actually with Bradley Cooper with heavy prosthetics, fake tan, smoking, nasally voice, age 70 at his piano, doing an interview, actually. I think it's a TV interview. And he, you know, he starts to kind of 
reflect on his life. So that's where the film opens. And then we go all the way back to 1943, where the then 25-year-old assistant conductor of the New York Philharmonic, he makes his conducting debut at short notice, and his performance goes down a complete storm. And that really starts his trajectory to fame in that particular field. When we meet him, we see that he's kind of in this intermittent relationship with a man, but he meets this aspiring actress, Felicia Montalegra, at a party, and they just fall in love straight away, become obsessed with each other, and eventually they marry. Now, the reason why the the marriage and their relationship is quite complicated, because it's quite clear that Felicia is aware that Leonard has this side to him where he will stray and he does have relationship with men. And it's almost this strange relationship where she knows it and she kind of lets it happen because she thinks there's still enough to make a marriage work. And that's really what the film's about. It's us watching how that marriage pans out against the backdrop of his career. They have children, they've got three children, um, and the children are kind of brought into this to a degree. Of course, during his career, you know, he, he was successful, not just conducting, but he wrote Broadway musicals and West Side Story was one of those. And we do see him conducting throughout the film. There's probably one main set piece, which is actually him conducting in Eli Cathedral in England, which is an incredible set piece. So that's really it. I don't think there's anything more to be said about it, because as I say, it's quite nuanced. It's quite complex. It's a very stylish film, I would say, right from the off. And yeah, I'll leave it there. Where I say what I want to say about it. And of course, it's no surprise that it is up for quite a few awards. It was up for many categories at the Golden Globes, but got swept away by Oppenheimer. So it'll be interesting to see how it does at the Oscars. Anyway, what did you think of it? Yeah, so it is very stylized, you're right, because it starts off in black and white and it goes into colour as you go later in the days. And then I was expecting the acting was going to be strong, and it certainly was from Kerry Milligan and also from Bradley Cooper. In fact, all of the actors and actresses in, in the film were very strong. I loved seeing Maya Hawke, Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke's daughter in this. She's in Stranger Things as well, but she played the daughter of Jamie. She just seemed, she seemed the more normal person <laughs> in this film. You had Felicia, who was shying away and uh, leading a... Her life was a bit of a lie, really, to be honest. And then you've got Leonard Bernstein. His life was a lie because he's very much in love with Felicia, but he also was a man that was very talented and he just seemed very troubled. He was excellent at his conductor as a composer. He had a a lavish lifestyle. He was a huge, big family man, I would say, really into his family. He loved his wife, but he loved this other man too, or other men, but he homed in on particularly on, on one, I think. And it was just sad to see that. It was hard to watch, actually, watching this lie and him leading a life like that. It was very much a lovey. The way he spoke to people was very darling, and which put me off a, bit, a little bit as well. But, I mean, you know, when you look at pictures of Leonard Bernstein, Bradley Cooper played him very, very well and what he looked like. Even to the makeup artists were excellent because even as an older gentleman in that the interview at the end and at the start looked very much like Leonard Bernstein. So it was really good. So I'm expecting them to get nominations as well at the Oscars, to be honest, on the best makeup 
I mean, this guy is, is he wrote the score for West Side Story. You've already mentioned on the waterfront. He won seven Emmys, two Tony Awards, 16 Grammys, Oscar nomination. I'm surprised he didn't get an Oscar for West Side Story. And um, yeah, as you mentioned, it was produced by Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese. There was really, when you put it all together, what is there not to like? For me, I didn't like the storyline. <laughs> I just thought I wasn't I wasn't invested in their storyline. It was just a bit sad. And you can see it was it was stylized because they want to get Oscar nominations. That's what I felt. Yeah, you're absolutely I, I totally agree with you. I actually really liked the first probably half hour of this. Because I did really like the way they did the black and white and they had this kind of technicolor and the aspect ratio. And even at the beginning, when you went back to, you know, the 1940s, even the voices were a bit heightened. And But whilst I was watching it, as you say, you're also thinking it's crying out for an Oscar. And to be honest, once that opening was been and gone and you're into the main narrative, you don't you don't really see much more of that. I would say two main things about it for me. I heard about his prosthetic nose and how like some people thought it was a bit, oh, I had no problem just like you. So I thought prosthetics were amazing, especially in the that opening and closing scene where he's playing a 70-year-old. I thought it was fantastic. His voice, his nasally voice and the way he spoke. A bit like and... how I am now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they also they also had this very deliberate way of overlapping audio to make it all feel very naturalistic. So when people were talking at parties or whatever, and and I think to be quite honest, his voice and his character to a degree grated on me a little bit. Mm. Um, so whilst there were times where I completely respected how much Bradley Cooper threw himself into the role and also the film in itself. You know, apparently on and off, he spent six years learning to conduct for some of these scenes. So, but you, you can, this is what he's like. You can see yeah, how he goes about this. How do we know how accurate was his composing there, really? No, I know. Well, that's or the conducting, thing. Like, sorry, conducting. But it, it doesn't, in some ways, it doesn't, that the fact he did spend that long, it kind of doesn't matter. Mm. The film's the film, ultimately. Yeah, I know. I know, and, and, but it's, and, it's, it, in singing, though, when you're sort of doing singing like they did in A Star Is Born yeah. or um, a Queen. Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody, that's the one. You have to try and sound like the artist and sing like the artist as yeah. well. Whereas in this one, how well do you really know that he's conducting well, as, unless, as I think, excellently as Leonard Bernstein? Unless you're a conductor watching it, I you suppose would, you, you wouldn't know. You, you wouldn't know. know. And so that you're right. right. It's kind of, in, in, a, in a strange way, the dedication he's put into something like that, yeah, like I said, it doesn't really matter. For me, the story, and I agree with you, I found the narrative quite unsatisfying because it's just this study of two people, like you say, living a lie in a relationship which doesn't that sounds a bit strange I mean yes they do have their ups and downs and obviously they do go through periods where you know they split but ultimately they they do always stay together uh, and the family unit obviously is very important to them but I think I just found it just didn't feel like it really had any proper closure there were elements of his character as well and things he did that I just didn't like so I didn't necessarily warm massively to him 
although he was a family man and no doubt he did obviously love Felicia. Felicia frustrated me because even by her own admission, she walked into this relationship knowing all of this, but still Mm. kind of committed herself. And so what a kind of slightly tragic life they both led to a degree. Mm -hmm. So for me, I totally respect Bradley Cooper because it is, I would say, it is an incredible feat what he's done. I think the film as an actor director, I do think is incredible. And I think his performance is incredible, but it didn't quite have what it needed, like you say, to draw you in with a really engaging storyline to make the most important bit work. So top respect for it. Like you say, it did it did at many occasions screen give me an Oscar, but yeah, that's what that's yeah. what I thought. Well, I'm gonna give it simply because the acting was very good and, and exactly as everything you've said, I am gonna give it seven out of ten. Um so yeah, what about you? Yeah, I think I'll think the same. I think I'll give it seven out of ten as well. Yep. Cool, cool. So it is worth a watch, but it just dragged a little bit now and then for me. So so yeah. About Time is the next movie, directed and written by Richard Curtis, starring Donald Gleeson, Rachel McAdams, Bill Nye, Lindsay Duncan, who played Bill Nye's wife in this, and Tom Hollander as well. And you, you can even see a very young Margot Robbie and Vanessa Kirby in this film in their early days, early career. So Tim Gleeson, at the age of 21, after a New Year's Eve party that didn't really go to plan for him, discovers from his father... Bill Nye, that the men in the family have this ability to travel in time, which is like, okay. So he go, he tells Bill, <laughs> Tim's father tells him exactly what he needs to do. He needs to go find a dark place in a cupboard or something, clink your fists, and then imagine where you need to go back to in time to. <laughs> I just love, I just love the way he said it. And exactly what he did straight after that. And he did, he traveled in time. In fact, the first time he traveled back to the New Year's Eve party that he messed up with this girl and did the right thing at the, <laughs> the party. So really what Tim wants to use this time traveling is to find himself some love. And he goes off to, to London to train as a lawyer. But however, Time travelling can give you some tough decisions to make as your your life continues. So this is a love story. It's very much a family at the heart of the story as well. He's got a sister called Kit Kat uh, who adores as well. And I just forgot how much it made me smile with the tenderness on in this film. Yeah, it's it's a it's a true Richard Curtis. It's got a bit of blend of many of his other films in this. Though. Yeah, what do you think, Rob? Well, it was exactly what I thought it would be. Everything you want from a Richard Curtis movie. A bunch of posh or middle class eccentric characters. Yeah, you're right, actually. Which, you know, no problem with that at all. It's just, uh, you know, normally at the centre, it's some relatively likeable people to draw everybody in. Very British, as British as you can possibly get. But I mean, I just think Donald Gleeson and Bill Nye and Rachel McAdams... I mean, in actual fact, I'm only just thinking about this now. If you were to reel off three of the most likable on-screen presences, like those three, I think, would probably be in it. I I love Rachel McAdams. Bill Nye is like a national treasure, isn't he? So, I, I mean, I already was bought in based on the cast. And I think I saw a little bit of this film years and years and years ago. So the time-travelling element, I had seen a little bit of this. The premise is quite intriguing isn't it because you start to think oh you know what 
what would you do? And the, fun, the funny thing is, he did <laughs> probably what most people would do. He used that ability to find his perfect partner or, or to, well, not just find them. To, I don't know, this sounds a bit strange, but almost like <laughs> secure them. You know what I mean? Like he found her and then he had to go back and do quite a lot of back and forth before he actually had the opportunity to get that proper date with her. And and I I thought that particular part of the film where he's met her, she doesn't know it. And then when he goes back in time and he finds her in this art gallery with her friend played by Vanessa Kirby and he walks up to them, <laughs> he kind of briefly forgets that, of course, they don't know yeah, I've got a Scooby who he is. This is just like a stranger coming up to you in an yeah. art gallery. And I loved all that. I, I, I thought the whole setup of him getting together with her was fantastic. And I loved it. And I loved them. And his slightly wayward sister. I liked that storyline. I was really surprised, just as you said then, you see Margot Robbie in it. Yeah, very young. Um, unbelievable, I know. Um, Probably on the back of Home and Away or something like yeah, that. Yeah. she was in. Exactly. Neighbours or Home and Away, I don't know. One of those two. It's always kind of, I don't know, when a, an actor pops up in one of their early roles that you're not expecting, especially someone obviously who's as huge as Margot Robbie now, it's all, it was almost like an extra little treat, you know, and and, and the same in, in to a degree with Vanessa Kirby as well. I really like Tom Hollander as the kind of family friend he lives with, who's this miserable playwright. And I love the way Tim uses his power or ability to try and help people out as best he can. I had this impending sense of doom throughout the film. The way, you know, his relationship with his father, who's also got this ability is really the central storyline, effectively. It's their relationship, as as well, obviously, as Tim's relationship with Mary and the family. But they are all a mass... They're all a very close-knit family. Um, so, it really, it is about that, because they can have these conversations with each other. They they share the secret. And and ultimately, you know, you, you get these very tender moments between those two. But I was paranoid that something else was going to happen that was going to like mess up Tim's own family to a degree or something was going to happen to to disrupt that. I'm not going to say any more, but yeah. I really liked it. I don't think I would put it up there with some of Richard Curtis's other films, like, uh, I mean, Love Actually, and For Weddings and Funerals, obviously he wrote that, didn't he? But it's a very, very watchable, pleasant way to spend two hours it was so yeah I, I really I really enjoyed it I I really loved the cast and one thing I'm realizing the older I get I've got a soft spot for Richard Curtis I know he's very formulaic in the things he does but mm. they do work yeah there are similar characters I would say in Four Weddings and maybe the intro is a bit like Notting Hill as well with the voiceover I, I loved Uncle, is it Uncle D? He was funny. He was kind of a bit ditzy and a bit forgetful. He was great. And, and you know, Kit Kat, she was just completely balmy. And, and you get characters like that in Four Weddings as well. So so there were some similarities. And yeah, formulaic, as you said. I just thought it was very sweet and charming, really. In these films, you have to have the doom and gloom and the sad bits. You can't have it happy all the way through. It's a bit like Disney film, isn't it? you know, somebody's parent or a brother or sister dies, 
at the start of the movie and, and then it all gets happier from there. It was kind of turned on its head slightly, potentially, in this film. But you needed that as part of the storyline, really. But there was so much respect and admiration for his family members and um, I did properly boo at the end, I'd have to say. But I really enjoyed watching it again. I hadn't seen it for a while and I loved it. I actually prefer watching this than Notting Hill. I find that a little bit cheesy in places, Notting Hill. Whereas this, if, I think it's a bit more natural. And he's, yeah. he's a little bit he's a little bit geeky, isn't he? And, and she's very pretty, but slightly geeky as well. And and her fringe is really bad at the start, isn't it? Because she goes on about her fringe and, and things like that. Rachel McAdams' character. Yeah, what are you going to give it then, Rob? I think I'll give it seven and a half out of ten. I'm going to be a bit stricter really? on my. No. I'm going to be a bit. I'm going to be a bit stricter on my scores in 2024. Is that a new resolution? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because seven and a half is still decent. I mean, gave just gave Maestro a seven. Yeah, I think I, if, if if that's the case, then I probably would have scored Maestro's slightly lower, to be honest, than my seven. I'm going to give it a nine out of ten. I really Whoa. like this film. I mean, it was on my list. It was on my list. I do like these romantic comedies, and I just smiled through the most of it. So, oh, um, man. no, okay, yeah. I'm I'm changing my mind already. <laughs> I, I I'm gonna give it. I, I I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna give it again. I know it's terrible. <laughs> I know I do this too much, don't I? I? I'm gonna give it an eight because it is a happy film, and I mustn't lose sight of the fact that you don't get many just nice, happy mm. films. So I, yeah. I am actually gonna give it. An eight. It, it was well. It was. Oh, I agree. Yeah, that's, that's a good score. I mean, it's very middle class or upper class. Oh, I would say this film. Yeah, yeah, I do find that funny every 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 time. Anyway, good scores there. So, what is the next movie, Rob? So, our newbie is going to be a film that is coming out in cinemas very soon. So, if I say very soon, it will be out. Yeah, it might be out by the time this podcast is out. I think it's being released in the cinemas second half of January. It's called The Holdovers. And this is a film about a cranky history teacher at a remote prep school who's forced to remain on campus over the holidays with a troubled student who has no place to go. Um, So this stars Paul Giamatti and Dominic Sessa. Devine Joy Randolph. So no, no huge, huge names, but it's getting very, very good reviews. It's a comedy, I guess a comedy drama. It's been nominated for a few awards. So I have seen the trailer and I am looking forward to this one. Yeah, looks like a good movie. So looking forward to that one. And I'm picking from your list this time. That's right. It's my list. And as it's the new year, we are throwing all of the genres back in the hat. So it's a genre of your choice, Sarah. I think sci-fi. Sci-fi. Okay, so I've only got seven. Okay, I will go for number three, please. Number three is Ready Player One. I Ready Player One, brilliant film. This is from... 2018, directed by Steven Spielberg, starring Ty Sheridan, Olivia Cook, Ben Mendelsohn, and Simon Pegg, and Mark Rylance uh, are in this cast. So when the creator of a virtual reality called The Oasis dies, he makes a posthumous challenge to all Oasis users to find his Easter egg, which will give the finder his fortune and control of his world. Yeah, it's a little bit on uh, sort of Alita Battle Angel-esque. That's right. Uh, yeah, That's yeah. right, so, yeah. 
So at the moment it's rental buy, but do take a look at your on-demand platforms anyway after you've listened to this. But most of the on-demand platforms at the moment it's, it's rental buy. Looking forward to that. That'd be good. And maybe we could try and get together and go to the cinema to watch the holdovers. Let's see what we can do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Once we shake off these uh, coughs. These sniffles and coughs. Sniffles and, and exactly. Croaky voices. The, yeah. <laughs> won't disturb the rest of the audience. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Brilliant. Great. Thank you very much, Rob. Off to do some more work. Oh, that's a bit dull. Dull, isn't it? I might go and watch an episode of The Traitors. Maybe a hot toddy as well, just to see whether that might help. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well wishes anyway. Absolutely. And happy new year again to all our listeners. You know, we're at, that was this our 90th episode, I think it is, isn't it? It's something like that. I must admit, I didn't check it the very bonkers when you think about it. It is. But here's to many, many more. Exactly. Right. Great. Have a good couple of weeks, everybody, and you, Sarah, and we will see you on the other side. Cheers. And you, Rob. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.